year. Soulmates, it may not feel like a holiday, but it's a holiday. Banks are a wrap. You're not getting any mail today. Nope. Probably some packages, though. You know, those those package come, they keep it moving. Uh, you, might get, you might get a knock at the door. It depends, it depends. You just might be home to receive it today. I, I feel like the postal workers uh, in my neighborhood in D.C., uh -huh. they don't work on President's no, Day. No, I'm talking about like uh, Amazon, FedEx. Maybe, you might get, maybe. You might get Are you expecting an Amazon package? Uh, a belated Amazon package belated, being that this past birthday? week yeah, was your birthday? I, I don't know, I don't know, we'll see. Maybe. The, the love keeps coming. We have plenty to discuss on this President's Day. Today's show will surely be a feel-good show. Last week was so heavy. Mm -hmm. it was heavy, so heavy. heavy. Yeah, welcome to Fox Soul's Black Report. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicordelide Corte. On this President's Day, we're putting the spin on it for the whole show we're featuring black presidents hmm. ceos and game changers this is our hmm. president's day with the stories that impact us the most all right it's our news our views and our voice so let's get into the conversation for today in the heart of Washington, D.C., a unique and historic event is taking place at Howard University's Burr Gymnasium Pool. An entirely black swim team is set to compete in the Bison's home opener, and the achievements have not gone unnoticed. The team is featured in Sports Illustrated this month, okay, led by Coach Nick Askew. Howard's success is significant for its impact on predominantly white country club sports. Now the program regularly attracts recruits from across the U.S., Canada and the Caribbean and packs its stands with an electric atmosphere. This is good to hear. It's good to, 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 to take in. You know, Howard University leading the way with a lot of these non-traditional sports, non-traditional teams. I know, you know, they've got lacrosse for the women and the men, they're Division One, and ever since they entered in, <laughs> they've been tearing Division One lacrosse up and it just makes you proud because these are sports that traditionally uh, have not been ours, if you will. Uh, but if you do the history, a lot of these sports were started by uh, former slaves who, who maybe came north, especially hockey. There's plenty of stories on that. And so it's about reclaiming, if not the sport itself, at least the athleticism, saying that, hey, we, we can do these sports as well. And really just amplifying the folks that are, are leading in these sports. I mean, they're out there. You know, there are black swimmers out there. To your mm -hmm. point, there are black lacrosse players. Hockey there are, players. You, know, you know, black people are, are everywhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love this story so much. Yes. Uh, this is the first and only all black uh, swim team operating at this level. Uh, leave it to a bison uh, to lead the way. Uh, I'm really excited about it. And quite frankly, mm -hmm. Courtney, I'm inspired by it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've been on this sort of, you know, fitness mm -hmm. and wellness journey and I've been doing Whole30. And you swim yourself. Uh, and after the show, I usually go to the gym and, you know, I cycle and I swim. Yeah. Um, I started uh, with a goal of 10 laps in the pool. Where are you now? Now I'm up to 12 laps and by the end of the month, I want to be at 20 laps. And so who knows, maybe by wow. the spring, by my birthday, wow. maybe I'll have a chance to do a site visit at Howard University and take a swim uh, with these folks keep uh, dreaming. in the pool. They are, they keep dreaming. I'm going to keep they, This is what they alive. do. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along, Dr. Shawanda Moore, CEO of Royal Financial Services, has created a tax preparation curriculum for aspiring entrepreneurs, helping them to start their tax businesses, their own tax businesses. The eight-week program is held twice weekly via Zoom during the late evening hours. Over 30 
individuals have already enrolled in, in the course, which includes a textbook, a workbook, and hands-on teaching. Dr. Moore plans to offer the program twice a year and welcomes interested individuals to contact her company. Now, in addition to her tax preparation program, Dr. Moore is also an author of a children's financial literacy book, a tax software provider, a business, business growth coach, a speaker on several topics, and a community service host of several annual outreach events. All right, sister. There is nothing that Dr. Moore can't do or, or is not is doing. Not doing. <laughs> exactly, especially now, how timely is this information? Are these courses as we uh, are, are approaching, if not maybe considered already in tax season? I know you're starting to see a lot of tax uh, preparation, mm -hmm. uh, commercials, companies, individual tax uh, people who do taxes you know advertising and it is that time and now with all of these shifts especially uh, post pandemic as they say with a lot of these um, credits changing it can get pretty tricky I mean I've, I've never been one to do my own taxes because I don't trust myself I don't want to get caught up in anything so her information and her services and her expertise quite timely right about now yeah and I and I think also you know financial literacy is you know certainly very 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 important um, you know, we can't stress that enough. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, so many of our folks, you know, sometimes start off, you know, uh, in college and sometimes even in high school, right. uh, you know, making you know decisions regarding credit cards and putting their names on things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you discover that your family member done put your name on something, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, I think, you know, there can, we can never uh, provide financial literacy tools and tips uh, to our people soon enough. And so it's good to see her offering this and offering yeah. it in ways that are accessible, right? For yeah. the in-person people, but mm -hmm. also the virtual people. Right. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. And speaking of tax and tax services, there's still time to take advantage of commonly overlooked tax credits and deductions before the tax deadline in 80 days, can you believe it? The IRS says deductions lower income while credits for lower taxes or increased refunds. Deductions and credits can help, but they usually only net a few hundred dollars. Self-employed individuals, teachers, and those with medical or dental expenses can qualify for deductions while the earned income tax credit, education credits, and adoption expenses can lead to tax credits as well. If you don't qualify for any of these tax breaks, Check for localized tax breaks offered by your state. The tax filing deadline is, of course, April 18th this year, and I usually qualify for nothing. As a matter of fact, throughout my 30-year illustrious career, as the church says, I've had to do a lot of those independent tax returns, so uh -huh. I get taxed even harder, so I'm like, didn't I buy a phone? Didn't I buy a computer? Didn't I have to travel here? I mean, you, I really have to scrape. The, 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 the itemized deductions. Yeah, I really have yeah. to scrape and, and make sure I include everything. And then after me and my tax preparer do, it's still like, oh, Courtney, <laughs> you still owe a little bit. Or what comes back is not what you know we, we, we would think come back. I need to find somebody's kid. That would help a lot. <laughs> that would help a lot. Because sometimes owning that home just doesn't do it. I need a couple of kids, many soulmates. If you'd like me to borrow the kids, I'll break you off a little something. But that's really been the stickler for me, being a single female, no children. There was a time 
time when there was no home ownership, and I was giving a lot of money back to yeah. Uncle Sam. I yeah. really was. I mean, this is this definitely is a reminder of the national conversation that's being had around uh, reforming the tax code mm -hmm. uh, and making it more fair. The fact that's that right. there are millionaires and billionaires uh, of paying, which we are not who paying less than uh, us that are are paying far less in taxes, less than it, our soul, not just less than us, that's but like right. less than school teachers, yes, less than firefighters, mm -hmm. right? And so I think that's a real important conversation uh, for yeah. us to have. But you know, April 18th is tax day, soulmates, and yeah. so mark your calendars, set your alerts, couple uh, so, days. so that you aren't, you know, just sort of scraping stuff together mm. at the last minute. You know, let's try and get ahead of the game. That's it. All right. Oh, I'm about to spit some. Here, here we go. Guess who's hitting the books and spitting rhymes at the same time? Did I, how did I do? Oh, you did all right. Thank you. It's Kodak Black. The Florida rapper has just announced that he's enrolled at Arizona State University, ASU, after getting his GED in prison. He shared the news on IG and joked that he could teach his professors a thing or two. <laughs> but let's not forget about the balancing act that he's got ahead of him. This isn't the first time a rapper has taken on the challenge of hitting the books while still hustling in the music industry. You might remember Lil Wayne tried, tried his his hand at uh, the University of Houston and even took some online courses at the University of Phoenix. I got to give it up to our producer. I think Miranda wrote that line. Did Miranda write that that, that bar? I think it might have been inspired it. by Miranda. Okay. Did you write it? I think you might have ad-libbed a little oh, bit. Well, thanks, Miranda. <laughs> but no, really, it's, it's good to see that. I think it sends a great message. It's never too late That's right. to go back, redirect, self-correct, enhance, elevate, expand when it comes to knowledge and information. So big ups to uh, to my man. Yeah, there's a lot Mr. more people Black. out there that are embracing lifelong learning. That's right. Right, and so it's not just about going out and getting your degree mm -hmm. or, or getting a particular training um, to uh, access a particular job, but it's it's learning over a lifetime. And yeah. no matter who you are, you know, whether you're you know a millionaire, billionaire, you know, or whether you're a rapper, you're looking to re-career. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, learning is something that you know makes us all better. It's and ongoing. I'm so glad that you know, he's sharing a story so publicly, yeah. and I hope it inspires a lot of our, our soulmates uh, to consider or reconsider uh, or be encouraged continuing on that learning journey. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, well, uh, speaking of learning, a new study by today's homeowners reveal a widening gap in home ownership between black and white Americans. You don't say. Mm. Don't you always say water is wet? Water's wet. <laughs> Nearly 75% of white Americans own their homes, while less than half of black Americans uh, can't say the same. The gap has worsened by over two percentage points since 1994, with, the most, uh, with most of the increase happening since 2010. The South had some of the narrowest gaps, while Midwestern states had the biggest gaps in 2021. That's right. Only 15 states narrowed their gap from 2010 to 2021 with the Rocky Mountain state of Idaho, <laughs> Montana and Wyoming leading the way. In recognition of Black History Month, today's homeowners with uh, Danny Lipford has released a new data study uh, that sheds light on the persistent and growing gap in home ownership rates between black and white Americans. Yeah, the study asks the pressing question of whether black Americans are being locked out of the American dream of home ownership. To discuss these findings, we have invited realtor and financial expert Annalisa Carter to join us. Welcome to Fox Souls Black report, Annalisa. Thank you so much for having me. Indeed. Thanks for being here. 
And, and so, uh, Annalisa, can you tell us, in your opinion, what are some of the key reasons for the persistent gap in home ownership rates between black and white Americans? We've seen so many, so much of this in the headlines uh, recently. Yeah. Uh, so, so tell us, what's driving this? So um, just to look at the statistics, about 74% of white homeowners um, versus 44% of black households are homeowners. So that's a 30% gap. And what's actually been driving this is historically, we've seen redlining um, through discriminatory services. But now more recently, we're seeing um, investments um, people are coming in and large financial institutions are coming in and purchasing um, properties in our community. Gentrification was another thing that caused that as well. So for example, uh, JP Morgan um, committed to $1 billion in purchasing homes across the country. And so they're becoming mega landlords and pushing a campaign for renters. So that's a big contributing factor. Yeah, based on um, the, the research uh, that we have here, your research, you know, research that everybody's been tapping into, um, in your opinion, what steps do you believe can be taken to uh, close that black-white home ownership gap and then, you know, make ownership, home ownership accessible to uh, more black Americans? That seems to be uh, the two areas that are being challenged as of late. Right. So the first thing we need to do is become educated and bring awareness to our community mm -hmm. about the importance of home ownership. The first thing, as I tell my clients all the time, is to understand your financial benefits of home ownership and look at your credit profile. We need to take stock into ownership and buy back the block. Mm -hmm. That means reinvest in our own communities. And, and, and just to follow up on that, so how do we reinvest in our own communities when right now, for example, we see interest rates keep tick, 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 mm. ticking up? Um, and so, yeah. you know, there, and there are a lot of people that, you know, are sort of anticipating a recession, although we've heard uh, from the president and others that there uh, is no recession uh, looming in the immediate term. And so talk to us a little bit about some of the consumer behavior uh, that we should have sure. versus the consumer behavior that we actually have that may pre be preventing us from doing exactly that, buying back the block. Sure, that's a great point. Well, we've seen since November, the interest rates have been steadily decreasing. And so that's a clear indication that it's still a good time for our community to buy back the block, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so it's a great opportunity um, as the recession is looming. We can't really look into a lot of the headlines. We really have to focus in on our local market. And I will say the panic has started to subside and consumers are definitely starting to come back, especially as the spring market is starting to um, come about. Yeah. So they're really feeling um, that and being encouraged. And so we have to definitely, again, for me, is just educating them on the importance of it and bringing awareness that they can actually do that. Yeah. So, you know, you've given us some steps on how we can take uh, responsibility for po positioning ourselves in regards to uh, home ownership. Um, how do we hold these uh, institutions, these financial institutions responsible? You know, when you talk about the full gamut of the process to own a home, when you've got appraisals coming back and, and black folks are being shortchanged. In that case, who, who do we need to stay on? Who, you know, Twitter fingers, letters, uh, you know, campaigns. 
Americans. Who do you think we need to target in that case, in those cases? We need to target everyone. We need mm. to bring awareness, whether you're on social media, talking to your local lawmakers. It starts within your community. And again, just bringing that forth, that awareness. And again, talking to people who are in the industry, realtors, because we see trends within mm -hmm. our community. So it's not like a national headline. We really get hyper-focused and hyper-local and look at hyper-local markets. Mm -hmm. And if there was just one thing that you can leave our soulmates with, one thing that we can do to, to prepare ourselves for home ownership and for those folks that may um, own their own home, may own property, you know, what's that one thing we can do to sort of head up to the next level mm. uh, of home ownership and really take advantage of, of uh, so many different uh, new and interesting opportunities in the marketplace? understand that you can't be fearful or do it scared. You just have to start somewhere. My biggest thing is to talk to people about group economics and really telling them to tap into the different resources that they have. So look at different programs, especially for first time home buyers. Um, tapping into the first time home buyer programs within your community. Um, definitely taking advantage of those resources is the number one step. Mm. And understanding your credit profile as well and your affordability. I would say, I know you asked for one, but looking at those three things, mm -hmm. definitely have um, our community definitely buy into taking stock in ownership. Yeah, we definitely want to give our soulmates as much information as possible. Uh, Annalisa Carter, uh, expert realtor, uh, thank you so much for the information today. You're now officially a soulmate, and you know we're a little nosy. That house is cute, girl. <laughs> thank well, you thank so you. much for, for <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you. All right, take care. It's a pleasure. Still ahead, serving up soul with a side of unity this Black History Month. <laughs> we'll introduce you to the Black-owned restaurant that's cooking up Black excellence mm -hmm. when we return. You're watching Fox Soul's Black <laughs> Report, your President's Day special that's edition. That's right, that's right, that's right. Welcome back, soulmates. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report, bringing you our news, our views, and our voice. And this next story is our voice, our culture, and our food, as our friends at Fox Chicago show us a Black-owned restaurant that's serving up food truly for the soul. Mm -mm. Head out to 47th and King Drive in Bronzeville. Enter through these doors and you are met with some of the best mouth-watering Southern cooking you've ever tasted. Welcome to Peaches on 47th. Today, Chef Trillis Rollins is manning the kitchen. We try to promote an environment here that makes you feel like you're stepping into the kitchen with your grandmother or your mother. So we serve a lot of traditional Southern comfort food. Maybe it's traditional, but certainly not typical. So we got banana rum here, peach bourbon, French toast here, shrimp and grits. One of our uh, takes on a signature dish, the Eggs Benedict. So we call this the Southern Benedict. Another one of our signature dishes is called the Hangover Plate. Here at Peach's Restaurant, it's more than just amazing food. It's about the community. It's about the people who come here regularly. It's about the family that has been created working back in the kitchen, and it's about love. And let me tell you something, too bad you're not here because, oh my gosh, I am loving this. So good. Oh, 
Yes, our customers, but more importantly, absolutely our staff. We love them. Yeah, yeah, we love them. And it's that love and commitment to staff and community that had Chef Cliff Rome, the owner of Peaches, start up his training program called Mise en Place. It's a French culinary term for putting everything in place before you start cooking to set up for success. In this case, it means finding the right people to grow and mold as successful leaders. We purposely find people who are not necessarily into the food and beverage restaurant, but they're workers. That is definitely where Nakia came from. A college student, still trying to figure it out, right? But not quite sure. And then we're like, <laughs> you're a worker. <laughs> Come on over, we got you. Yes, yes. I was told by a little bird that you were kind of shy when you started doing this and things have changed. Yeah, I was really shy. So this is really giving you confidence? Mm-hmm, yeah. And if you look at Peach's staff, you will see the diversity. All people of color, like the patrons who eat here, many come from the community. This black-owned business is all about giving back, representation, growing future leaders, and seeing success in others who look like them. I think it's so much more important for my staff to see themselves on a daily basis operating a black-owned restaurant and they see themselves doing it. It's important for our customers as well. And it's one of those things where you go north of Roosevelt, sometimes you don't see us in the hospitality and culinary industry. And there's lots of people that find their lane in this space. And oh yeah, back to the food. Chef Rollins is the perfect example of the Peaches mission. He started out as a dishwasher. Today, he is the chef leaving his own stamp on the food people come to expect when they dine at Peaches. Their recipe for success, food for the body is not enough. You must also provide nurturing for the soul. Sylvia Perez, Fox 32, Chicago. Um, okay, so not only did that make me hungry, but it, it just brought took me back. I used to stay in Bronzeville. It's a south side of Chicago, just a, a wealth of uh, black heritage, black excellence, and just a beautiful collection of arts. And you got some funky homes, mm-hmm. beautiful homes there. And I used to stay um, apartment complex called Lake Meadows, 32nd and King. And that whole like area from like maybe like 18th to maybe 67th Street is kind of Bronzeville, but the heart of Bronzeville is right where like Peaches is, 47th, where I stay, 32nd King Drive, that area. And so, you know, no surprise that you have this jewel in the heart of that community cooking up some good food and, and not only, you know, uh, feeding the bellies, but, but feeding the soul and feeding the culture. Um, and it's just a, it's just a, it's a beautiful And there's so many incredible artists that come out of that neighborhood in Chicago. If I remember correctly, like Shaka Khan came out of that Mm -hmm. neighborhood. Lou Rawls came out Mm -hmm. of that, that neighborhood. I mean, so many greats came out of that neighborhood. And so I'm not surprised, uh, you know, that they are still, uh, really uh, putting it forward uh, for the culture. Uh, And you have a brother that lives uh, in Chicago, and so hopefully he takes uh, my sister-in-law, Tisha, and uh, uh, my nephew, LJ, Mm -hmm. to Peaches uh, this (laughs) weekend. Uh, LJ, tell daddy to take you to Peaches. That's right. Uh, But, you know, I really love how they're preparing future leaders. Mm -hmm. We need more industry leaders. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the fact that this is, you know, not just sort of a nice to do, but it's a must to. It's a very, it's a core component of what they do and we need more of that we need more you know businesses out there yeah. black owned businesses out there you know that are reaching out to the young people mm-hmm. and saying okay you may be a dishwasher today as was the case for chef Rollins but right but but you can be the chef of the restaurant yeah. one day and one day yeah. soon and there are a lot of businesses black owned businesses in and around that area that speak 
to that to that mission for sure. So I'm glad we were able to highlight uh, at least one in the in the midst of Black History Month and, and on President's Day as people are bossing up. We love it. That's right. We love it. You're right. You're right. Well, when it comes to telling our stories on the screen, one way that has given our community so much freedom is our creativity in animation. Mm -hmm. And it's through art that we're able to tell stories and relay messages that sometimes we can't do face to face. And one of those shows is The Boondocks, created by Aaron McGruder and debuted back in 2005 that has provided the community a culture with countless lessons and some very funny, poignant moments. Uh, and there are countless more from proud family to the amazing Spider-Man. All right, so mates, as we celebrate President's Day, it's important to recognize the achievements of black Americans who've broken barriers and become presidents and CEOs and founders of companies across the nation. Their success is a testament to the spirit of black excellence and a reminder that with hard work and determination, anything is possible. One such example is Carl Jones, the co-founder and president of Martian Blueberry. He's gonna have to talk about that. A cutting edge animation company that has made waves in the entertainment industry. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, thank you for having me. So Carl, tell us, you know, what inspired you to co-found Martian Blueberry and pursue a career in animation? And, and what's a day in the life like as co-founder and president of a black animation mm -hmm. studio? Uh, well, I mean, my whole career has been about telling these very culturally specific stories and, and empowering more black creatives. So, you know, I wake up each morning with this, with the same initiative to do everything that I can to push the culture forward into a new paradigm, you know, where, where more voices can be heard and, and seen for that matter. Um, so I launched this animation company, Martian Blueberry, which is another way of saying strange fruit um, based oh, off of the popular wow. Billie Holiday song. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yeah, I pretty much our goal is to bring stories to life in a very authentic way. Yeah, share some of the challenges that you, you faced and, and even continue to face uh, as a black man in the animation industry. Are we still a little underrepresented? Are we still struggling to get our voice heard uh, on that particular uh, playing field? And, and how are you able to overcome uh, some of these challenges, Carl? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it is still really challenging. Um, and I think th there's never a lack of heroes in our stories. Mm -hmm. There's just a mm -hmm. lack of platforms that will take the risk to to tell the stories about these heroes. So I, I feel like the challenge is really taking something very culturally specific or taking stories about people that may have may come from a very uh, specific set of circumstances and make it palpable for the entire world by exploring the humanity of these individuals you know and and a lot of times you know it's 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 hard to see uh it's hard for hollywood to at least recognize that our stories can reach a global audience because they're so specific mm -hmm. but i think mm -hmm. it's the opposite i think the world wants to see more stories that are that are unique and very different from their own you know so um so it is a challenge but i i think i think the the, the good thing is we're giving with martian blueberry we're giving more tools and, and more crayons to use in this color box so to speak so we're, we're opening up the opportunity for there to be a studio that can handle those cultural nuances nuances in a very authentic and organic way so that it resonates with all audiences 
Speaking of more crayons in the color box, and I really love that. Uh, it's no secret that there's sort of a war on black history. We know that uh, there are a number of companies, particularly in the tech industry, that are waffling on their commitments related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Talk to us about diversity and inclusion. I understand that those are important values over at Marsh and Blueberry. How do you ensure that these values are reflected in your company's work culture, especially in a time such as this? Well, I think it's just really important to, to be very intentional and, and thoughtful about all the content that we put out. You know, um, meaning that we're, if we're doing a comedy, you know, we're not just doing a comedy to make people laugh. You know, we also have a responsibility to move the culture forward if we truly want to see more of our stories being told in the future. Mm -hmm. So I think every project that we tackle, we make sure that there's layers of substance to it. So there's social commentary. You know, there's 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 um, there's there's some things that are, are funny or that might make you cry, make you laugh. But that but at its core, there's a human story that we're telling. So regardless of what race you are, you're going to resonate with that character. And it just so happens that they're black. Yeah, love that. So you, you started somewhere in, in, a, in a space. You were inspired maybe by someone or something. What advice would you have for younger aspiring black animators like yourself? And, and of course, you want to partner that with with being an entrepreneur. Are you are, as you are that as well, um, you know, who are trying to break into this particular lane of the industry? I would say develop some really tough skin. <laughs> you know, you're gonna you're gonna face a lot of obstacles, and I think there's gonna be a lot of closed doors, and you'll hear a lot of no's, mm. and you'll and you'll hear a lot of people that don't quite understand the stories that you want to tell. But I feel like we have to stick by our guns, so to speak. We have to truly, you know, s stay on course with the the, the truth and the and the story and the and the realness of the stories that we want to tell. And and you know, we have to form almost a united front with that. So I I because I, I, I I believe that if a lot of these up up and coming animators and writers can be inspired by what I'm doing, hopefully they'll inspire a hundred more people. That's right. You know, each one, right. each one of them, and and you know, as the old saying goes, each one teach one. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping there's a trickle-down effect that will inspire people to just to just tell these honest and pure, pure stories without any compromise and develop the thick skin that it's going to take in order to endure all the way to the end. Speaking of inspiration, uh, I've got to ask you, you know, what uh, books have you read or what books would you recommend that have really inspired you as an animator, that have inspired you as a leader? You mentioned that you're not just co-founder uh, of your company, but you're president of your company and presidential leadership matters. And so if you could offer our soulmates uh, a little dose of inspiration, are there, are there any books or are there any podcasts that you're streaming uh, that you would recommend for folks that uh, are aspiring to dream as big as you, if not bigger? Yeah, I mean, one book that was um, that was really instrumental for me was uh, a, a book called Shot by Shot. Um, so if you're gonna if you're gonna direct or if you're just gonna if you want to be a storyteller at all, this is a book that you must get. It's called Shot by Shot. It's a really thick blue book, and it's gonna take a while to read it. But there's just a wealth of information that you can gain from that book about storytelling, about character. You know, uh, understanding um, you know why certain choices are made in terms of how a a scene is directed, where you place the camera, the compositions, the you know, like all of that stuff is is really important. And aside from that, I would say you have access to something I didn't have when I was a kid, which was Google. You know, yes. so 
I would, I mean, you have every answer at your fingertips. So I would definitely look up anything that you are in question about and, and there's gonna be unlimited resources. Yeah, we were talking about it in another show. The access nowadays is unbelievable right. for right. you know for us and then for these new generations and the generations to come for sure. Carl Jones, uh, CEO and president, founder, co-founder, the man over at uh, Martian Blueberry, another way for saying strange fruit. I'm loving that. Thank you so much for your time today, for joining us uh, on this uh, President's Day. You, you're officially a soulmate now. You gotta come back and join us and we gotta Chat it up some more, brother. And bring an extra one of those sweaters. Yeah. That sweater is is digging the sweater. <laughs> I'm going to Google that. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Thanks, Carl. We appreciate you. All right. Bye. All righty. That was a good one. Up next, protecting the next age of black businesses. That's right. We'll have Sheila Coates from Be Your Own Brand. She's going to give us all the information that we need to have a successful 2023 for your business. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We're coming for you, Sheila. Welcome back to The Conversation, Foxo's Black Report, your place for black news, and there's a new push to help combat the ever-growing racial wealth gap. That's right, facilitating the next golden age of black businesses is what many experts say will boost the economy, and industry leaders are trying to accomplish this by allowing companies and leaders to learn from early 20th century innovators. Now, many businesses, many business experts say that HBCUs are the key, saying they've always been instrumental to collective success of black Americans in many spheres and will continue to be a critical lever for facilitating prosperity. And on this President's Day, we continue to talk about African-American presidents who changed business, bossing up. Today, we're featuring a branding expert who's worked with music and entertainment stars. Her company, Be Your Own Brand, has also assisted suite uh, executives, C-suite executives, and uh, at Fortune 500 companies, media organizations, and entertainment and lifestyle industries create their own brands. Let's welcome Sheila Coates herself as she shares her insights on personal branding and business success. Thanks so much for joining us today, Ms. Coates. How are you? I am great. Thank you for having me and happy Black History Month. Okay, you look absolutely great, Ms. Brandista. I've, I've heard all about it. <laughs> so so let's start right there. What, what inspired you to, uh, you know, create be your own brand and what do you think the unique value um what you do and and what you offer clients what is the unique value in that when they are looking to build their personal brands or enhance their their company's uh, brand image i mean brand is like the bible nowadays right 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 you know when i started byob uh there wasn't much about branding yeah and now everybody's talking about branding right right and so I find branding, and this is my perspective on it, when I was in the music industry is when I actually created BYOB as an executive um, of marketing. And what I re realized is that artists would always come in wanting to simulate or, you know, I like what someone else has. And mm. I would always say, let's find your uniqueness. So BYOB is based on what makes you unique. Mm -hmm. And when you find that, then you can have a look that matches that and you project yourself with way more confidence. You're more empowered. You're not competing. So I would like to say the companies bring me in because I'm nice, but no, they bring me in because I produce results. And what happens, 
whether it's talking about diversity and inclusion or being a woman or mm -hmm. a leader, mm -hmm. what is it that you lead with? Yeah. No two leaders are alike. Just like when you do the news, the way you deliver the news is based on who you are yes. and what your skill set is. Some people are over the top. Some mm -hmm. people are detailed. Mm -hmm. Some people are creative. Some people are bold, you know? Yeah. And when you understand those top two gifts you have, then you walk in that with confidence and you dress like that and you present that. So, because so, no matter who we are, you know, people judge you within 30 seconds of meeting you, right? If, if not so less, if, if not so, less, right. Yeah. So, so let me yeah. ask you this, with, with all that in mind, as far as uniqueness and, 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 and that capture, if you will, with all of the copycats and cookie cutters and everybody following the crowd, there has to be some challenges for you in developing, you know, brand strategies for these executives and these companies. And, and if that be the case, how have you, as a specialist in, in your company, BYOB, how have you guys overcome that? Everybody's doing what everybody else is doing, they're following the crowd. I mean, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. I'd like to say I was the only one doing branding, but I'm not, right? <laughs> right. Many people doing branding. So you find what makes you unique. One, I always say if I branded celebrities, I can brand you. Two, mm -hmm. I don't talk about the brand as a whole. I talk the, about the brand as an individual. Yeah. So there's three steps to BYOB. And if you get these three, you can brand anything. Mm -hmm. One is to define it. You have to define yourself for yourself or somebody else will. Mm -hmm. We know that all day long. We quickly put people in a box. But more importantly, what is it you want people to get when they see you? Mm. Two, after you define it, you have to be it. Mm. I can't say I'm funny and never make you laugh. I can't say I'm smart and do dumb things. I can't say I'm creative and never use my innovation or my creativity in my everyday life. So once you define it, you have to be it and the third part of that is you can look like the person you say you are. It's why we wear the clothes that we wear. And it's why we dress our homes. We can tell a lot about a person just by looking at their homes. Mm -hmm. So the, the thing that makes BYOB unique is that we help you find what is uniquely you. What are your attributes? What gifts do you already own that you probably probably don't even you know, recognize mm -hmm. or even think are important? But every gift is important. So who are you? Mm -hmm. And then we can make sure that you define that, be that, and look like that. Listen, uh, I don't know if soulmates just realized that we got a real good free le free lesson on this on this President's Day. We like to call it Boston Up Day, which is why we're talking to to, to bosses like you. The takeaway here: d define it, be yep. it, and then look and at it. Take any brand and put those three up against it, and see and see and see and see what you're working with at that point, right? Absolutely. Yeah. All big brands, be it people or products. So you could take a, a car company, you yeah. could take a clothing store. If they're a real brand, put those three things up mm -hmm. and you'll get the same answer. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for, for leaving us with, with that with that nugget and those nuggets and depositing into us uh, this uh, this President's Day. We appreciate you so much, your your movement and how you have just continued to pour in to the culture. It, it doesn't go unrecognized. Sheila Coates, uh, Boston Up with BYOB. We appreciate you so much. You're an official soulmate now, and uh, we've got to have you back to talk a little bit more because, you know, with, with without a brand nowadays, what, what, what really are you? I mean, this is the way we're defining ourselves. So what you do is so crucial, crucial and critical. And we thank you so much. Well, thank you. I love that. Bossing up with BYOB. I'm going to have to steal that. <laughs> you can have it. <laughs> All right, All sister. Right. Thank, thank you so much. You. Have, have a, a good day. one. Indeed. Bye-bye. Bye now.
Coming up, we're latched and hooked. That's the name of the business that's making black history on TV. Okay, we'll introduce you to the CEO and show you how you can support her. That's coming up next. This is Fox Soul's Black Report. All right, Soulmates, Latched and Hooked, a black-owned hair brand that specializes in non-toxic, protective hairstyles. Hello. <laughs> Made history by launching its collection on QVC. Hello. Uh, <laughs> Tiffany Gatlin founded Latched and Hooked in 2016 to offer customers high-quality synthetic hair extensions without the stress and toxins. Synthetic? Is, yeah. Well, well, I mean, this is the first QVC launch for a black-owned Fox hair designer. Uh, Gatlin created a pre-tied turban wig to simplify wig wearing. Customers can find styles and tutorials on the company website and YouTube channel. Gatlin hopes her success inspires other black women entrepreneurs to solve their passions. There's a lot of different paths you can take to getting your hair done and wearing your hair. All right. And in honor of President's Day, we continue our conversation of highlighting black presidents that are dominating their respective fields of business. The global baking market has evolved and grown over the years to become a multi-billion dollar industry with reports putting the size at over $331 billion, as would it be. Several baking companies and bakers have emerged, and our next guests are uh, the world's first and only black-owned sliced bread company. They're bold, they're unapologetic, and about their bread, and of course their brand. Joining us are the founders of the black bread company, Mark Edmond and Jamel Lewis. Thanks so much for uh, being here Welcome to Fox Soul's Black Report and happy President's Day. We like to call it Bossing Up Day. <laughs> <laughs> happy President's Day. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's, it's good to see you uh, in the flesh, if you will. I've read so much across social media about uh, the company, about your start. So let's start with the name uh, and why you named it the Black Bread Company. Let's just start there. Uh, that's that's a pretty cool story. So uh, we start we, we named it the Black Bread Company because as once this idea came about, uh, we just kept saying on over the phone, "Yo, we the first ever black-owned bread company, Black Bread Company." And so Jamel said, "It was like, oh, so that's the name right there. It's like the Black Bread Company." And when I heard it, I was like, "Wow, you absolutely correct. Like mm. the Black Bread Company. That's exactly who we are. That's who we are. That's what we represent." And that's exactly what we wanted to be at that time. Yeah, and, and it says so much because it's, 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 it's bread, bread, but then, you know, us in our culture, bread, baby. So, and as far as, you know, what you guys exactly. are tapping, exactly. right, as far as what you guys are tapping into, it's a beautiful thing. So, so let's, you know, start at the beginning and share with us how George Floyd and, and that whole situation, the, the BLM movement, how, how were they instrumental in, in making the decisions to start the uh, Black Bread Company? Yeah, absolutely. Well, for me, it, they, uh, George Floyd, that whole incident was uh, everything. It was my own personal protest. You know, um, you know, I got young kids and a, and a wife, so I couldn't risk going outside to protest and get hurt because the city was, you know, in such a, a, a rage at that time with, with uh, looting and things of that na nature. Um, so the first thing I'd done was uh, I went to the grocery store and I set my mind. I was ex extremely intentional on supporting and buying only African-American-owned product. And the very first uh, thing that was on my list was was bread. 
Mm-hmm. And so uh, I went directly to the bread aisle and I started Googling, you know, breads, uh, African-American home bread. And I was in this office for about 45 minutes and I soon realized that there's no African-American owned uh, sliced bread companies. So I left mm. the store, I called my best friend, was like, yo, it was basically like a call of action, like, yo, we got to do something about this. Yeah. And from there, the Black Bread Co. was, uh, it was born. Yeah, and, and I know, you know, it's, it's a great start story, and I know on paper, you know, it sounds good. Across across social media, it sounds good. But I know, it you know, there's always a path, and, and sometimes with a path comes a little bit of struggle or maybe hardship, which, which makes it good on the other side of it. And we talk here on Fox Hills Black Report how, how uh, black business is booming. Black business entrepreneurship is booming. However, it is very tough to get started and get the funds that black businesses need to get started and to stick and stay. How hard or easy uh, has it been to get funding and financial backing um, for your particular black business? Right, you know what I would say, starting, owning and operating your own business or um, for us as African-Americans in business, it can be challenging, but I would say, uh, one, just begin being intentional. You know, why you are on the mission that you're on, why you're creating the brand that you're creating mm-hmm. is key in, in not only getting started, but maintain, maintaining that consistency when the going gets tough. And when you are looking for funding and, you know, sometimes may, maybe the resources or the opportunities or um, just having certain entities around may not be present, but just being intentional as to why you started, why you're on the mission you're on. Um, is, is very key. As you do find funding, there are opportunities in different incubators or different programs that other companies or, you know, there are opportunities out there. But as you seek those out daily, you know, just being intentional as to why you are, you know, on the endeavor or on the journey that you're on yeah. is extremely key because it'll always keep you going when the going gets tough and when, you know, times are rough. Absolutely, absolutely. I know you guys are, are plugged into social media. I mean, that's your thing. As we wrap up, tell us how we can get connected and, and stay connected with you. I'm already a follower, honey. And, and, and even though they talk about bread, messing with the girlish figure, I'm going to eat some bread and I'm going to eat your bread. So tell us some of the soulmates who are just getting hip to your, your product, your movement, your philosophy how we can get and stay connected. Yes, we are very intentional about having tangible products and putting them in stores and actually being active on the ground. So you all can actually follow us in the venture that we want entitled The Black Bread University at blackbreaduniversity.com where you can learn and grow and actually uh, just include yourself on those shelves and in those spaces where products and things are being sold. So Black Bread Code, Black Bread University, blackbreaduniversity.com. We appreciate everyone's support and coming along on this journey with us. Absolutely, and, and we appreciate you. It's, it's, it's bigger than bread. This is about you know moving the culture and upliftment, and you guys are at the forefront of it, of it and we appreciate you so much. Your official soulmates now, we gotta have you, have you back uh, to talk more about it. Mark and Jamil, thank you so much. Uh, Bread Company, uh, Slice Bread Company, the first black owned. We appreciate you. Nothing but the best, and God bless you. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Don't go anywhere. It's black excellence time when we return. That's right, and you don't want to miss the story, so come on back. You might want to bring your faux turban wig. (laughs) You're watching Fox Souls Black Report. All right, welcome back to Fox Soul's Black Report. There are many times people make a lasting impact on a community and it goes unrecognized. That's right, but not in San Jose, California, where a community effort led by a pastor is helping honor the legacy Mm. of a very vibrant activist. Take a look. 
William Price, better known as Billy DeFrank, lived his life out loud as a gay black man during a time when it wasn't acceptable in society to do so. He galvanized the community, creating a place and space for people to feel safe being themselves. But he meant so much to this community. Those who wore in the closet probably during that era and those who weren't that when it came time to name this center, that's who they thought of. The Billy DeFrank LGBTQ Community Center in San Jose was established in 1981, a year after DeFrank died of a heart attack. As a gay black man, a drag queen, and a community activist, DeFrank started charitable, political, and social groups for them to have a voice. That's Billy DeFrank. No, Reverend I, I, Jethro Moore met DeFrank when he was in college. During the 80s, 81, we'd give our Halloween dances here. Uh, and camera. Well, we had special drinks that we'd make and <laughs> and we'd, we'd fundraise and that's the way, uh, uh, and they allowed us. They gave us that space. They gave us that freedom. And that was a freedom. When you understand this bill, if you understand San Jose and the black community, how small it is for that group of gay people, LGBTQ people, uh, to name something after a black man in the 80s, that was an accomplishment in itself. Reverend Moore is president of the San Jose Silicon Valley NAACP and says DeFrank's sexuality never deterred him from recognizing how much he contributed to the world around him. We've always had gay people in our community, whether we admitted it or not. And uh, the communities that I was around early, um, they always told us to refer to Miss Queen or whatever, but we were never taught to disrespect them. Today, Gabrielle Antolovich is board president of the Billy DeFrank LGBTQ Community Center. She's been on the board since 1993 and is responsible for keeping DeFrank's legacy alive. It's his spirit that really drove um, everything he did. And even now, you can feel it. For its 40th anniversary, Antolovich commissioned this mural to be painted outside on the wall at the community center, and it was created by San Francisco-based LGBTQ artist Serge Gay Jr. The center has become a hub serving a thousand people per week, hosting intersectional forums for the LGBTQ community. G53 and social activities like Rainbow Bingo every Wednesday night. Having chosen community, chosen family through a location like this and through these wonderful people makes you feel welcome and that you belong. And Tolovich says Billy DeFrank's life and work created partnerships and allies the community needed. When we unveiled the mural with the press, we did it with the NAACP to share him as both our heroes. And that really clinched our relationship between our organizations. Bravo, oh. bravo, bravo. That that story makes me proud to be a native of the San Francisco Bay Area. Saying, not only it's, is that your community, but that's your community. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's, it's great to see and uh, not uh, easy to do. Mm -hmm. uh, shout out to the NAACP chapter mm -hmm. uh, in San Jose, you know, for holding hands with the uh, Billy DeFrank uh, Center. Uh, that's that's important stuff, and especially in a time like this where we see so much anti-black and anti-LGBTQ mm -hmm. sentiment and rhetoric and legislation out there. Yeah. It's good to see uh, these sorts of efforts on the ground in communities. So 
We yeah. salute you, soulmates. Absolutely. Flowers, flowers, flowers. That's right. All right. That's right. Well, that's all we got for you. Happy President's Day. Yeah, enjoy this day off for those soulmates who have the day off. That's right. I'm Nicole Cordelai Corte. And I'm Courtney Hicks. Until next time, soulmates, stay lifted. lifted. What? Did you just do the patty This is the fly patty fly.